the Essex accent has got to be the funniest British accent. I'm becoming a vegetarian. Shut up. Sausages are what? Arseholes and eyeballs, aren't they? They're full of rubbish anyway. Disgusting. I only eat chicken, bit of poultry. I had a friend when I was a kid whose Essex accent was so strong. My parents used to go, Esther, and I used to have to come downstairs and translate and be like, oh, she wants me to come out and play today. Because she used to knock on the door and just be like, oh, does that work? can't play that. And my dad would be like, I don't know what's going on. people want Essex to try to kill me after this episode. Welcome to Comedy with an Accent podcast. I'm your Taiwanese comedian, Quan Wen. I interview comedians who perform English stand-up comedy but who are not native English speakers or they can have a very distinct British regional accent. This podcast is all about comedy, about accent, about languages, and about the comedy technique. So stay tuned if you're interested. Hi, welcome back to another episode of Comedy with an Accent. I am so excited today that the podcast has been greeted by a TV star. I know she will look at me and say, what the hell you're talking about? But she is a TV star. This comedian has been on Life at the Apollo, ITV comedy sketch show. She has been to support tour Jason Manford, Shapiko Sandy, Sintu V, lots of, lots of accolades. Her show been awarded the best show at Leicester Comedy Festival in 2021. Am I correct? That is right, yes. That is right. So let's welcome today Esther Manito. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for coming. All right. You still seem all right. I don't know when I we'll get... I am all right. I'm going to your ranting persona out. It will. I think she will at some point. But, I will, yeah. But you're special in that this podcast is trying to pivot away so far. He has always been a guest from a country other than the UK. And I tried to ask about the accent, how they deal with comedy, or the audience expectation, and they talk about their home country. Um, unfortunately, your home country is here in the UK. Unfortunately, I'm very proud of that. I say unfortunately <laughs> because now, 10 episodes in, I have stats from my Every- platform. Oh, right. And I thought it would go viral around the world. It hasn't. I thought it would do really well outside the UK. Eh, it's all right. Debatable. So we do have about a third to a quarter of audience listening from the US, but the majority of them are in N25 in the UK, in the Southeast. So your accent probably doesn't my, really stand out. Yeah, my accent is their accent. Julian, from, what's her from... accent? Southeast. South, Southeast, more specific. Let's do more sentences. Okay. Yeah. Julian, where do you think my accent comes from? Should I give you a little clue? East End. East End, not far. Basically, <laughs> at the end of the day, 100%. Oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah, access. <laughs> You're not Gemma Collier enough, so it takes a bit longer. I've got to do some of the catchphrases. No, I'm sorry, but if it's unfair, if I say Esther, you're from Essex, but your accent is not the trashiest. You can't get <laughs> <laughs> It's not the trashiest. It's not the trashiest. With Essex... It can become so broad. I've been in parts of Essex with my husband where he has literally had to ask me to translate. Because (laughs) with Essex accent, the more broad it is, the less they use their tongue. So essentially, it just gets to a point where it's like a bunch of seals. I'm sorry, I just drifted away and said the less they use their tongue. I know, you've not had sex for a little while. (laughs) 
can't I say know. that. You're just engage to... in different sort of sexual techniques. You're trying to stay away from the monkeypox and you've not had sex. I understand. We had that little conversation walking By out the here. way, this is not me trying to suggest only LGBT would get monkeypox, right? Everyone can get it. Everyone anyway. can get it, yeah, yes. So let's come back but to the But you FJ told me that ethics. you weren't having sex because you didn't want to catch monkeypox from no. anyone. So you and stayed away I from everyone. I don't know everyone. what's relevant, but my Chinese horoscope is a monkey. So I don't know it's more likely. I might get it. Anyway, back to essay. So you took your husband to certain part of Essex that he had to ask you to translate. So he's not from Essex. No, he's not from Essex. But when Essex gets more and more broad, becomes like that. So that's when you start to hear people talk like that. <laughs> Don't use their tongue. It almost gets to a point where we're like a bunch of seals and they're just like... Oh, 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 oh. There's not a lot of um, over-pronunciation. It's, it's, it's fitting, though. Essex is by the sea, so, I mean... It... Yeah? <laughs> no, but there's no, there's no seals as Essex of the teams. Are there seals? They don't need seals. They've got us. We can just stand there and... I don't I, know what the well, point... I would take the army seals. I'm, I'm the army seals. <laughs> okay. It's not supposed to be a sexual episode. I'm just <laughs> trying to ignite Esther's fire in her marriage. Anyway. question is even irrelevant now, but I just ask every single guest, okay. I have to ask you, do you think you have an accent where you speak English? Uh, like if someone asked you, not me, not in a context of this podcast, do I, you have an accent? How would you reply to that question? Yeah, I do. And I think I'm a real chameleon as well, because when you grow up mixed heritage, you learn to adapt the way you present yourself according to who you're with. So when I go on stage, I become very Essex. And that's a real boundary thing. When I get into an argument, when I'm trying to make a point, I become really Essex. So that's kind of translated into going on stage. It's almost like a protection thing. My Essex accent comes out. I get all feisty and all the rest of it. When I used to go to Lebanon, I couldn't be as Essex. So you would then learn to announce it more. So you would talk a lot more of the Queen's English. You know, that's why I really wanted to invite you. The truth is Essex is just by London. Yeah. It can almost see Essex as Greater London, an extension of London, or even suburbia of London. So there's no shortage of Essex accent in London. No. And your Essex accent isn't even the strongest, right? No. You don't even say Essex as Essex. How do you say it? Uh, who says Essex? It, so, okay. Kiwis, New Zealand. No, Essex. No. no, the RP accent to pronounce Essex is different from how Essex. What's RP? RP is received pronunciation, basically BBC standard English. Okay, so they would say Essex. Essex. And the reason I wanted you, not just because you've been on TV, you're big, and I'm hoping to I'm grab some popularity big. out of your following, but when I listened to the episode you went on Carly Beaton's podcast, it's yeah. great. Namaste, mother Yeah. You describe yourself as... Do you beep out your swear words? Huh? Do you beep out your swear I words? I tried, but sometimes Why? it gets really... <laughs> God, I don't, don't listen to my podcast, <laughs> You should. It's a great podcast, but we'll come to that later. You describe yeah. yourself as an outsider. I know your family background, but I'd rather let you ex- not explain, but explain describe yourself. your family background. My mum, she's from Gateshead. My dad, he's from Lebanon. And I grew up in Essex. So there was never really a time where you just fit in. Became this real, like, chameleon of trying to fit in in your hometown growing up. 
and then you would adjust the way you present yourself and, and talk. Also, because there wasn't just differences in ethnicity, you're talking differences in cultural practice, differences in religion, you know, Catholic mum, Muslim dad, also in class as well. My dad's family were wealthy, my mum's family were very, very working class. So you're constantly trying to present in all these different ways so that you fit in and you don't stand out. Yeah, it gave me an ability to shapeshift. I forgot to give enough context. So Esther's mom comes from the northeast of England. Gateshead. When you say it, do people know it's in the vicinity of Newcastle? Yeah. So British people would know. Yeah, British people would know. So your mom is from a working class area and she has a different accent from yours. That would be a Geordie accent. Right, so my mum had a Geordie accent growing up and then she met my dad. She went to Lebanon and no one could understand a Geordie <laughs> for love and money. So she had to change her accent. Oh, she did change her accent? She changed her accent. So growing up, my mum spoke to us in a southern accent. And then the moment she spoke to her family, she went back to speaking in a Geordie accent. And we never questioned it. Oh. But the moment her family stepped through the door, she spoke in a Geordie accent. That's what I was thinking, because you grew up with two parents with two very different accents, but your accent ties back to the location, your birthplace, because yeah. you live in Access. For non-UK listener, Geordie accent it's is quite hot. strong. <laughs> now, so who is famous with a Geordie accent? Two of the little mixers, Perry Edward and um, what's the other one? Oh, Jade. So it's Perry and Jay from Little Mix. So your dad is from Lebanon. Can I ask your dad's first language? Is it French or Arabic? Arabic. Yeah. Arabic. Does he yeah. speak French? No. In Lebanon, you choose if French or English is going to be your one to be your second and one to be your third language. So some of my cousins would speak French as their second language, English as their third. Ah. Or they'd speak English as their second language and French as their third. But I've got to say, regardless of whether they spoke it as second <laughs> or third, they spoke it better than I did. You just say that your mom was also a chameleon because she switched yeah. to a southern accent. Yeah. And she only do that with her family back in the northeast. What about when she fights with your dad? What accent does she switch to where they have an argument? Oh, like there were times when I was just like, what is... Literally, people were just going in and out of accents. It was just like a blur. No one knew what was going on. And <laughs> also because he, when he was really angry, he would switch between English and Arabic. Oh. So when he was really angry and telling us off, I had no idea what was going on because he would mix up sentences half in English, half in Arabic. And I'm like, what? Hang on, because I'm trying to translate the Arabic. And he's then gone into the English and you're like, I don't know what the hell's going on. Do so you speak Arabic? My Arabic is terrible. Out of 10, how much would you rate your Arabic? I would say like a four. Are you able to perform in Arabic? No, it, unless you want it done really slowly. <laughs> An Essex accent makes me feel very, very at home. I feel like Essex people are very down to earth and I feel very relaxed when I hear an Essex accent. Yeah, I would when say... When someone speaks in a posh accent, I straight away want to cry. I feel really inadequate. I feel... Isn't that bad? I feel I need to guard myself. Do you? From yeah. an Essex accent? No, 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 no. If someone <laughs> speaks with a posh accent... I feel really insecure, like they're just going to be looking at me like, Ew. Oh, Ew. I would just think British people are already faking up. This one is even faker than that. <laughs> Do you know what? I'll tell you this about poshness. I was on a flight to Ibiza. Funny talk about Ibiza because when I was Googling how to do an Essex accent, Ibiza was a great example. Instead of saying Ibiza, you should say Ibiza. <laughs> I don't know, but your I accent, think, see, that's another point. It proves that your accent is not the strongest no, Essex, it's not. It say that And also, because where I grew up in Essex was only about 11 miles from Cambridge. 
Ah, uh, yeah. got diluted. What well, was diluted? It was a middle class. Actually, where you live right now is still, it's still possible to get there with London Underground, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I went to college in Cambridge, and then I had friends who were like Suffolk. A real mishmash. Oh. No, not like Romford, Southend, that kind of broad, broad Essex accent. <laughs> not Romford, Southend. If anyone is intrigued by Esther's accent, or in general the Essex accent, the best you can find if you're not in the UK is a reality TV show called oh, The jo- Only Way is Essex. Essex. Towie. Gemma Collins, Joe Essex, a Mark... Right. Con- Mark Wright. So where I live is is real. The only way is Essex is filmed a lot around there. So we see them out and about all the time. Really? Yeah. Are they really that orange in real life? Well, we're all orange. Right? <laughs> I'm lucky. The, the I'm lucky because I'm half Arab. I can just do it naturally. <laughs> Russell can explain in a video clip. When I first arrived in the UK, I couldn't distinguish between the London Cockney accent or the general, they call the London Estuarian accent yeah. and the Essex accent. No. But later I could tell there's some differences. And Russell Klein explained in the video, the Essex accent we hear right now are not the original Essex accent over long period of time. It's after the war, there's a lot of clearance or yeah. clearing of the East End. Yeah. So a lot of East End Londoners who speak with the Cockney accent move out yeah. to Essex. And then they start to buy their own property so they move on on the social economy ladder. Yeah. So they become those people who live in a semi-detached house. They think, oh, we are kind of well off now. We're so much better off than we used to be. Yeah. So we should speak a little bit better, right? Better. Better, better. So they fix the Russell claims by they fix the ending of their word, but they don't fix everything. So they become the divergent of the Cockney accent yeah. and the SS accent. So I remember growing up, my kids have started doing it now because we're basically still in Essex now. And occasionally, and I, I really have to stop it because my mum used to really go mental at me because I'd say, can I have the butter? And she would be like, if you say butter like that again, it's butter. But I will say butter. But it depends. Like, if I'm thinking about it, I'll say butter. Could you explain why your mom did that? Because she, she wanted me to speak properly. Well, I guess because she's had to change her accent. <laughs> she's like, you can speak No, but properly. why would your mom want you to change your accent? Like, the motive for as a mom? I guess you kind of want it pronounced properly. There does seem to be... I guess you don't really think about it. But I do it when my kids say, like... I, like <laughs> my, my son will sometimes be like, I don't want nothing. And I'm like, it's nothing. Like, why are you saying fur instead of fur? No, it's actually, I don't want anything. <laughs> Technically speaking. I'm sorry for correcting. I'm you know sorry, what? and um, foreigner just corrected. <laughs> <laughs> it's better, because you... i tell you something else. That, and it's, it's, that it's, I don't want, I don't never want nothing. That's even worse. I don't want, yeah, you want the double negative. I don't know, I don't not want... My sister, so my sister, she left home at 18. She went and lived in Budapest. Yes. And she lived in Budapest for like 15 years. And when she came back, her English was so good. Like now she talks so well because she'd been teaching English abroad. She'd only been mixing with expats. Her accent was just like... She, she'd become really well-spoken and she really understood English. And then when she came back, me and her were having a conversation and she was like... What is your grammar? What is your grammar? Like, why do you all sit there in your double negative? She's like, you and your friends. And I was like, I, I don't not want that. And she's like, what the hell is that? Another thing that we do is when we go, um, I'm going to go uni. I'm going to go school. I'm going to go work. Two, right? Yeah, where's your two? But you don't do that. <laughs> going to go work now. But I suppose your mom was 
trying to prevent you from being discriminated later in your adult life. No, I think it just annoyed me. <laughs> it just annoyed me. But it does okay. annoy you because you feel like there is some laziness to it. Yeah. I guess you don't one want people my, to feel that you ex, haven't been one, educated properly. That's one, what it is. One of my exes is uh, got a Cockney accent and I will always, not corrected him, but I will always mention when he say tattoo. I say, tattoo. do you mean tattoo? Because <laughs> when I learned English, it used to be a bottle of water Right, and water. I came here. I feel, I feel disrespectful if I do. A, I don't know whether it was intentional. I gradually lose the American pronunciation. I keep my Chinese accent, but I lose the American pronunciation. I start to say water, but then, oh, but then so in London, you guys probably say water. water. <laughs> I love it because my cousin's moved here from Lebanon and I love it now when she tries to do her accent because obviously when we were growing up we would go to Lebanon and we'd really speak properly and now she's here and she hears the way we speak here so she's like okay this is how you talk the <laughs> shop a parent of <laughs> so, so what really drives me I had me a friend when I was a kid whose Essex accent was so strong my parents used to go Esther and I used to have to come downstairs and translate and be like oh she wants me to come out and play today because she used to knock on the door and just be like I can't play that and my dad would be like I don't know what's going on Essex don't try to kill me after this episode is there. No, but you've been talking about the grammar thing you mentioned to me once you say something that's also very typical of Essex instead of saying you in plural, you say use. Use. I also say, and this is, my kids have picked me up on that. I say, because I says so. Oh. So my son, the other day, I said to him, do something. And he went, no. And I went, what do you mean? And he went, because I say so. I say so. So we don't say, <laughs> we don't say says, we say says. But I don't say it because no. I say... Another thing... Oh, my mate says that... Uh, my mate that I used to teach with, and I never picked up on this, he was like, you never say seen... You've always said so instead of saying have you seen yeah. this, he he's like you always say have you seen it, have you seen it, have you seen that film, have you seen it, and he's like it's not sin, it's seen. That must be an Essex thing as well, and it used to drive him mad. That for me is the regional accent. That's yeah. fine because every accent deal with the vowels differently. I do wonder though, but for example. <laughs> We weren't taught grammar at school. At all. So my kids now are coming home with a comprehension of what a noun and an adverb and an adjective is. We weren't taught that at school. Oh, at all. You were the skipped generation. So we could, yeah, so we could not learn another language. I would say me, my sisters. So a good kind of... I reckon there was a large chunk from, like, the late 70s into the late 90s where you just didn't learn grammar. And we couldn't learn other languages. Because if you don't learn the grammar of your own language, how are you supposed to sit in a French class and learn the grammar there? I remember that going back to Lebanon and all my cousins would be like, well, what would be the past tense of? And I'm like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but then I learned grammar because I went and Teach. taught English as a foreign language. So I had to study grammar. So I got that book, Grammar for Idiots. And I was like, oh, that's why we say that. <laughs> Esther's website, her tagline is an SX Arab girl. You have a great gap about being an SX Arab girl, but it's not so much about SX, more about where you grew up and probably your mom's social economic background. Mm. You call yourself a cherub. Yeah. Because you're a chap and an Arab. Arab. Yeah. Chap for the American audience, it may not be immediately clear what that means. It's I don't know what an American version of a chav would be. It's a derogatory term. I think chav initially comes from cockney when they used to say chav for kids chavies and then chav suddenly became this term for 
I don't even know if it was for working. I mean, it has become a derogatory term for working class people, but it's now become if somebody doesn't speak very eloquently and they wear a lot of fake designer labels. But I don't know what the equivalent in America would be. That's hard to explain, right? The reality stars on Jersey Shore. Okay. So I think those would be the equivalent. Of right. The kind of people you think that reality TV show producer will want to exploit for entertainment value. Yeah. yeah. And they would take the piss or base a comedy on their applied in their actual lives yeah. because they don't come from a well background or they can be like nouveau riche and instead of creating a more homogenous society in the UK there's an active habit of people mocking people who are considered chaff so the mentality is like so long as I am better off than someone else then my life is okay yeah yeah I think that is a very very prevalent thing that you can when you have such a rigid social class system yeah. and middle class or lower middle class people are I don't encouraged. think in America they have like I get the impression that they don't have this obsession with what it is to be working class and middle class yeah We've got a real thing in the UK of aligning any kind of regional accent to being working class. I'm not working class. I've been told I'm working class because I've got an Essex accent. I came from kind of bog standard, lower middle class, middle class family. Never really uh, <sighs> thought of myself as working class. I had very working... What's the definition of working class? I don't really know. But I never thought of myself as working... Because I knew my mum's family were working class because they were in, like, council, house property, and money was very, very tight for them. And then my dad came from an affluent background, but when they moved to the UK, both my parents had to work. Both my parents were proper nine-to-fivers, and we grew up in this really just the average middle-class environment. So if someone managed to get on the property ladder without a large mortgage pending, mm. is it cheeky for them to still claim their working class then, if they actually own I don't know. Because I think people treat class like culture, don't they? It's funny, because my husband, he comes from a proper working-class background, council estate, and he just never talks about it. He never thinks about it. And we were talking about it the other day, because I've been told that I'm working-class because I've got an Essex accent, and there is this assumption that Essex is working-class. And I'm like, well, I wasn't working-class. Essex isn't working-class. A lot of Essex more like nouveau riche to me. Oh, yeah, I'm not nouveau riche. But we were just... Where we grew up, I definitely had mates who grew up on council estates or parents that were kind of lower down the economic ladder and then I had friends who were a lot richer like especially where I grew up in Essex some of the villages outside the town that I grew up you had we had those like big converted barns and god knows what we were very much in the middle but I never really thought about class I knew that I had this two very different class in my family so I always adjusted I would never be able to behave in a certain way in front of my mum's family that made them feel that my dad had money and then with my dad I, side of the family I guess you're made to feel a little bit like try and be presentable don't let them think that you still come from a mum that doesn't have money so that was always at the back of my mind but comedy is definitely class obsessed it is and reviewers are also club obsessed oh my god yeah but they don't really talk about themselves i They're think they really... are the one that really should talk about their own there's class. a lot of subconscious misogyny and a lot of subconscious classism and i guess that's still the acceptable prejudice I lived in a flat, me, Stuart Laws, Lily Phillips and Josh Jones. Sometimes we'd just read little extracts from reviews. Lily Phillips, amazing comedian, really good friend of mine. Co-host of the Ghastly co Women. Co-host of Ghastly Women. We've just had a reviewer give us a one star because they were like, I can't listen to you two just laugh insanely 
anymore. And Why we, not? Because that's what our podcast is. We say stupid stuff. That's your we, whole point of your it's podcast. the whole point. But anyway, Lily's very well spoken. Yes. And Lily's show was called Smart. She will swear. And she even uses the C word. The C word. Not chav. <laughs> Whereas in Charisma, a... uniqueness, nerve, and talent. And that's what RuPaul <laughs> says on Drag Race. <laughs> <laughs> and then in my show, you saw my show. Yes. I'll say the F word a lot. And it was funny how with her, she had a review that came out and I had a review that came out. And my review was like, you know, she swears a lot. And I didn't think anything of it because I was like, yeah, I do. And then Lily's review came out. So nice to have a woman that can be funny without swearing. And I was like, she swears more than me. <laughs> she's got like the C-bomb dropping. They and... goes in the show. <laughs> but because she's posh, you don't even hear the swear. When you have a very well-spoken accent and somebody going, yeah. oh, and then you're such a C-word, it doesn't have the same aggressive... She does the same thing, and for her, it's a theatrical design. It's, you do and, the and same thing, you're a low-class woman who doesn't know how to behave herself <laughs> yeah. in a realm of comedy. But my review wasn't even negative, and I completely accepted it. I was like, yeah, I do swear a lot, but it was so funny when her review came out and said she doesn't swear, and I was like, look, I swear a lot, and I'm taking that, and I love my review, but you're review says you don't swear at all and that's insane because you're dropping it left right and center your show is called smart i think there is something about when somebody very well spoken swears it's almost like oh they're doing it because it's more powerful it's got meaning it's got context whereas in if you've got a regional accent i'm not working class but i've got a regional accent which means that when i swear it's seen as almost because you don't know what else to say it's such a um, sort of mainstream society here still encourage this ignorant and almost fetishized view of working class or to an extent different regional language accents, We do right? fetishize it a little bit. Sophie Willen had this great yeah. sitcom and in one episode, because she was trying to make some money by being the sort of, um, to accompany rich guys, yeah. and one rich guy has this fetish for working class girls, when they were doing dirty talk, he would say, oh, tell me, was there no light? So you have to light the candles at night. So <laughs> Like sort of poverty so porn. So it's poverty porn. Yeah. When they watch Benefit Street, it's the same yeah. thing. So. But we do, we do fetishise it. But also we live in an age of people enjoying being, a, you know, there, there's a real kind of um, fetish over being a victim as well. And I think classism can really help with that. And it really helps people feel that they've got something to feel victimised by. But I think the reality is, is that, well, I was talking to Josh James about this and he would say, I've never considered myself working class because whilst... His parents may have grown up on a council estate. He never wanted for anything. And it's exactly like my husband. He's like, I never once sat there and thought, oh, we're poor. We're, you know, he's had two hardworking parents who provided everything he ever needed. So it's a really complicated discussion with a lot of grey areas and a lot of overlapping. Yeah, and there's an area I try to stay out of. Cause... Which you've done brilliantly at because we've <laughs> talked about nothing else. Okay, the reason I say I want to stay out of it, I'm a foreigner and I don't come from a low-income background, so it would be weird for me to say it. I just think that there is almost this kind of like fetish... 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 I can't say it. Fetishization, Mm. especially within the entertainment industry of polarising what it is to be... I don't know what I'm talking about. The phrase that I could never stand is when somebody would say, I've come from nothing. It's like, but you haven't come from nothing. You've come from a background. And I remember being at work drinks of his and he had colleagues who were like, yeah, I came from nothing. I grew up on a council estate. And I'm like, well, that's not nothing. 
people have still provided for you. But also, I just find that that's so disrespectful to your family that provide for you. Like, my husband grew up on a council estate, but his parents worked really hard and they provided for him. So this whole thing of, like, I came from nothing, it's like... Well, it wasn't nothing. Like, money doesn't just mean that you're something. It becomes really kind of, like, shallow way Oh, of I see what you mean right now. Like, just the fact saying... that your parents' income were low, you were insinuating... That, that, that you were doesn't so count. unfortunate. Yeah. There's nothing else. You didn't count for the love your parents provided you, the care. And you still come from a community and a background and all the rest of it. But I do think there are certain things that are very cultural that make class quite a big issue. Only speaking from my background it was such a clash of identities because to go from a catholic working class side of the family to a muslim affluent side of the family and then growing up in this kind of like middle class essex area it's yeah you were constantly just shape-shifting you describe you as an outsider and you also mentioned that they were birthday party of your classmates and you were the only one left out. Oh my God, did I talk about that? You did, you did. Oh, that's I, so I, harrowing. I almost cry when I... When Isn't I, it horrible? It is, and just imagine, you're yeah, just a child. It's horrific, I can't you even... You may be the outsider in their eye, but for you, they are your whole world, because you it was are... Ho- that was horrible. That was really horrible. And do you know what? I see it sometimes, because I'm a mum now, and you do see occasionally that parents around the school gates, they may talk about children as if they're adults. So they're kind of like, oh, that one, that one comes from that family. I don't want mine to say, and you're like, these are all kids. So every time, if my kids have ever had a birthday party and they want to invite majority of their class, it's like, yeah, you invite the whole class. You don't start leaving people out, like they're kids at the end of the day. And I've got real pet peeve for anyone who kind of takes their own prejudice out of an adult on a child makes it absolutely seething. You know, one thing I'm so glad I don't have any children is I don't have to do the school run. Because doing the school run means I have to meet some of the nastiest people you can imagine, (laughs) right? So this was in your comedy set. It was in Catherine Ryan's comedy set, which was a big plot in her sitcom, The Duchess. So in Catherine Ryan's sitcom, there's a character called Jane, which is a fusion of various really annoying white women mom. They're probably more like an extension of Gwyneth Paltrow. They would insinuate other moms for not being good enough as a mom and in your case because you have this joke about what is the um, nativity play oh yeah old linda yeah yeah so they would suggest that your kids are inferior or too different because their mom is too different yeah how do you do i would have punched her in her face and told her you little <laughs> i think that people i bet you smell so much that <laughs> nothing See, you keep a lot it of clean. Angry. <laughs> it's just you keeping it clean. I can edit out later. I need to let it out. All my emotions rolling very high. I mean, it's a yeah. You get very protective of kids. I've been quite lucky. I've got to say, on the whole, with the mums at my kids' school. I mean, these are mums that have gone and picked my kids up because I've had too many glasses of wine. At <laughs> <laughs> mommy juice. It's called yeah. mommy juice. Putting this aside, I want to shift from the linguistic discussion of accent to your personal way of speaking. Especially more recently, your comedy style has a large element of ranting. You're actually not that angry when we talk in private or hang out with other comedians. No, I save it all for the stage. But it's not that you just play out the persona. It's just when you talk about comedy, there are so many things that really piss you off, right? Mm-hmm. And... 
there's a really great episode of Esther on the Parenting Hell podcast by Josh Whittakin and Rob Becker. It was brilliant. It was so funny. You managed to <laughs> talk shade about the two hosts at some point, yeah, just being a dad. It's a really great episode. Yeah, and- my biggest pet peeve, I've got to say, is domestic life. <laughs> That's my biggest pet peeve. And I think it's because it's the biggest underselling of women. And so that has been the backbone of what's really pushed me with comedy. And a lot of audience really chime with you when you yeah. talk about the fatigue that moms and wives and women feel in general. When I remember your voice when you were talking in your comedy set, it's ranting and there's just this lingering tiredness. <laughs> like you're so worn. You can't, you're so tired. You love your husband, but you're so tired by his <laughs> non-functioning brain. He doesn't remember things. He doesn't remember social engagement. You love your children, but you're so tired from the school <laughs> runs or the shit they've been producing. You're so tired from having to deal with your in-laws and you're just so tired. And you're so tired of the shit like male comedians give you, promoters give you, comedy fans give you, incels give you. It's not desperate, but you have it's this not, gentle no. touch of despair and tiredness and then rant. Yeah. <laughs> so you, it's a shifting gear roller coaster between those emotions. And yeah. that's the way you talk as a comedian on stage. I don't yeah. know if you agree with that. Yeah, yeah, I'd go with that. It's very ranty and very exasperated. A reviewer said it's controlled mania. And I love that. <laughs> I love that. For me, it's very eye-opening, but for your audience, it's got to be therapeutic. Yeah. I mean, At least someone most, speaking what I am feeling. Most of my audience, especially in Edinburgh, most of them were women, and I absolutely loved it. There were some shows where it was just women feeding back to me, you know, and it, we're all just sat there, and these few male partners that have been dragged there, and they're like, yeah, no, don't do this, yeah, <laughs> And it's absolutely brilliant, especially with the show that you came to see, is I don't really even want to sit there and just slag off blokes because I think that we massively underestimate what men are about. You know, that's what I can't be doing with. The amount of women in my life that you're here going, oh, he's so good, he did the washing up. And I'm like, he's 45, he's an accountant, he runs a company. (laughs) Why are we surprised that he can wash a dish? That's mental. Sometimes you really need women to remind you i try to think i don't systematically discriminate against other women but sometimes i have just have to meet i don't have enough life experience to know and to remember how much shit women have to take so for example you said i think it's carly say that when her ex-husband did a scoot run people praise him like, oh my god you're mm. doing this I think the pandemic was brilliant at just really highlighting the fact that, you know, all right, we're supposed to homeschool the kids and the house needs to be run and you've got to work from home. And the amount of women I knew who were doing a full-time job at home on a computer and yet the husbands were like, so you do the homeschooling? Because subconsciously it was like, but this is your area. And we kind of take it on to the point where it makes us control freaks. So we start going, well, if this is our area, I'm going to control it with an inch of my life yeah. to the point where we become really controlling towards the men in our life. And we're like, can you just but if it's stand not- there and wear these clothes and <laughs> shut up? I had COVID during the pandemic and I was homeschooling. Me and my husband, we don't actually know, we argue, but we really argued. I was feeling absolute hell. And my neighbour, she came and she left on the doorstep chili con carne for four people. And she said, I've made your dinner. So oh. it's on the doorstep. So I was upstairs doing a gig. I had COVID and I came downstairs. My two kids are sat watching TV. My husband sat at the table with two massive empty Tupperware boxes on his phone. And I said to him, have you fed the kids? And he said, no. (laughs) I said, 
have you just eaten <laughs> chili con carne for four people? And they went, yeah, I was hungry. Me and the kids are stood there. I've got COVID. I'm feeling like hell. And the kids are just sat there. And he was like, I don't understand what's the problem. I said, right, get this into your head. Why would our neighbour drop round a cooked meal for four people for you, who's a healthy man? What, you think Emma's just there going, oh, let me cook for Neil. What would he like? I'm like, are you absolutely insane? So my neighbour, she texted me and she went, was the meal all right? I said, I don't know, Emma. Me and the kids are ordering a Chinese. <laughs> Seething. So then, right, bear in mind, pandemic. He orders this new mountain bike. Two grand. <laughs> mountain bike then. And then he says, I don't want to put it in the garden because I don't want someone to nick it. So I said, so it's just going to sit in the living room. He was like, yeah. So he's obsessed with this bike. And again, I've still got COVID at this point. So I come downstairs. I've got to do the kids' homeschooling. His bike's in the middle of the living room. I trip over his bike. I lost it. I'm sorry, but I'm going to swear. And I said to him, you are an absolute <laughs> Right? To which my husband turns around and he goes, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realise the side effect of COVID was being a bitch. <laughs> Meanwhile... My daughter has logged on to her homeschooling on her laptop, logged on to the Zoom, and she's sat there at the kitchen table. We're fighting there. I'm in my pyjamas, no bra, mascara down here. And I'm like, and he's like, you're a bitch. And she sat there, 30 kids and a teacher just sat watching us off the Zoom. That's the weekly she's entertainment. There. She's there just like logging and going, yeah, I'm here for learning. Meanwhile, me and him are behind going, you piece of shit. And the teacher then said to my daughter, can you get mum to... Give me a little call after this. <laughs> and my daughter was like, yeah, no, they're fighting because mum's got COVID and dad's being absolutely useless. So I spoke to the teacher and she was like, no, I'm married. I totally understand. <laughs> but we are going to have to record the sessions from now on just in case there is any domestic violence happening. I was like, oh, there will be domestic violence. I'm this close to burying that man in the back garden. I'm saying that. I love him dearly. <laughs> I'm just very honest about the reality of it. Yeah, I'm living my perception of that voice, the tone. The accent has the linguistic element that tied to Essex, but I think for you, when you perform, you have this, your voice acts. Yeah, with, with okay. Set. But I leave it to the very end of this podcast because I don't want to take away, I don't want to patronize, but you're one of the most hardworking and most deserving comedian. Aww. I know, I genuinely believe that. Because this Edinburgh, I've worked with Vivian and Philip. We did Triple A, but three had a show. But then Vivian uh, was pregnant. Like a baby, yeah. So we were trying to help mm. to share. So when she goes on stage, she doesn't have to worry about the baby. Yeah. And Philip and I, we're two grown men. We try to entertain the baby. And I just find it so hard because babies are so difficult to control. One minute, <laughs> they could be smiling, angelic smile, and next minute, just kick off. Yeah. They just kick off. Remember, we had had this conversation before, and I heard from all the podcasts you've done, those specific asking about your parenting experience. Like, I, you never told me you didn't want to wear it. Like, when you say your husband don't talk about coming from a council house yeah, yeah, background, yeah. you don't really tell me how horrible all the <laughs> open my experience, the nausea you have for two years. I didn't know. I know yeah. you were a young mom. I didn't know it was to that level of self-torture you've gone yeah. through. Well, yeah, because you feel guilt. You feel guilt. You don't feel like, oh, yeah, I can just lie in the next day because I was out late. It's like, no, I'm doing something for myself and now I feel guilty because I'm not there for them. So you then push yourself to the absolute yeah. breaking so point. So to any comic who's jealous what Esther has achieved out there, <laughs> none of you has ever had to work as hard as she has. 
And strictly speaking, <laughs> Esther, you start in 1617. She's already done two solo shows. So have you even write that much joke? If not, shut the f up. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> I didn't realize I had that many haters out there. I mean, I knew I had no, haters no, no. in the general public. No, no, the default position of a comedian is being bitter. And there are, <laughs> there are a lot of bitter people. And There's nothing to be bitter about with me. No, and I try not to ask too much about your family and your children because yeah. I don't think I could do better than I don't have kids. I think the Parenting Hell episode was a great one. And the one with Carly Beaton, if you want to know about how Esther has to balance family life, then you can enjoy those two episodes. Here, I just want to explain why she sounds so worn out. Maybe worn down, but not worn out. <laughs> why? Run, run down. <laughs> Honestly, if anyone doesn't know, we like this woman who's just like a shell of a woman. <laughs> dried husk of a human. For example, I remember for Chinese New Year, and lots of family gathered together. In the afternoon, I would start helping, but there's so many apples to peel, so I would do yeah. some of those. And my grandma would start to look unhappy. But after the meal, when there are tons of dishes to wash, and I want to offer my manual labor to wash the dishes, but we don't have dishwashers. Okay. So I went there to wash, my grandma would actually shout, men do not belong in the kitchen. It is supposed to be your female cousin that should do those. So you see all the uncles and all the men sitting yeah. in the living room, watching TV, enjoying all the food. All the auntie and the female cousin are like the elves in Harry Potter, like Dobie. They just all doing all the chores, and my yeah. grandma actually insisted on that. That's like a systematic thing. Well, it's a system that kind of works, isn't it? Though what I think is with all this inequality shenanigans is that now suddenly it's like no, it's equal. It's like well, it's not really, is it? It's just I do all the shit and I go to work. That's what's kind of happened. Or I'll be cooking and then he comes in and he's like, oh, have you done that? Have you done? That? And I'm like. Just Oh, Get you, out of my kitchen! As you said, you got married and you inherit one more mum. <laughs> yeah. I've now got two mums and he just seems to dick about with no mums and his mountain bike, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure for your loyal following, it's, it's not like a self-help group, but it's therapeutic. I think it is, yeah. I think all women, when they can come together, and I think it's... You're not alone. No. I hear you. Yeah. I resonate with you. Yeah. And I understand you. And all these people in the crowd, you understand each yeah. other. That's... Stick together, sisters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very weird side question, though. Okay. Manito is your husband's... It's my husband's name. Where does that name come from? Spanish. You know, when I Google Manito family name, the number one country with this name it's is... Philippines. It's Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's not actually massively common in Spain anymore. And in Mexico, in Spanish, Manito means, like, friend, mate. So I remember uh, being in Mexico and people shouting out, Manito! And I was like, why does everyone... I know, they're just like, all right, mate. Did you know that your name would rhyme really well in Despacito, right? Yes, Manito. Yes, I've heard that. <laughs> oh, it's not even original for me. Anyways, but what's your maiden name? Lutfi. Is your mom's name or your dad's name? My dad's name. I was expecting something a lot more difficult and involving some... <laughs> Sound. Nah, well, I mean, people really did struggle with it. When I was growing up, they'd always call me Lautfi. One of the funniest bit I'd love from you is the confusion your Lebanese family face when your English husband visit them and do the very English thing of not being clear, because he was trying to be polite. Yeah, we're so very Would you want a cup yeah. of tea? He didn't yeah. say, only when you... Only if you're making one. <laughs> and they were just like, I don't even know what that means. 
And I just because that would never happen. Because you, you, you would never have that, and, and I'm sure it's the same. And but I don't know any other country where when you go into someone's house and they're like, "Would you like a cup of coffee?" and the response is only if you're making one. In my in Asia, but there's they? an even politer version and even worse. Is they say, "No, I insist not," and then when they don't offer later, you go around and bitch about them. Right. I cannot believe they didn't even really try to make me tea. So you have to have that fight. You have to have that. So we also fight to pay for each other as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you fight to pay for the bills, but in England, it's that thing of like they wouldn't feel upset that you didn't make them a cup of tea. But you kind of feel rude, and and I feel this as an yeah. English person. I do feel rude if someone says, "Would you like something?" and I go, "Yes." Yeah, it but all, it, it, you, it, you it, it like is you worse to... in Asia. So if you actually want a cup of tea, you will wait for them to offer, and then they offer, and you turn it down, and you do the play two or three times. Eventually, you say, "Oh, I really, really shouldn't have," but if you really insist, I might just as well take it, even though you always wanted so much from the get go. And if they don't offer, you will actually turn around and say, this family is so impolite. They don't even know how to treat guests. I sense the hospitality. And I absolutely hate that part of Asian culture. Okay, so the reason I talk about this is when you describe your Lebanese family's reaction, that bit got funnier because you do a lot of acting out more recently. Mm. And it's only funny when you impersonate mm. their accent. This is something I discovered with so many guests, whether it feels offensive or not. But when you do it, you can feel like it's authentic, it's part of the culture. And also, you do it out of love. Because sometimes yeah. I have a problem when they mimic an accent, but you can tell deep down they look down on that specific Oh, culture. I see. So this may be a controversial opinion of mine. I feel when I watch Russell Peter mimicking his father, I do think that on a certain level, he thinks he's better than his father. Oh, okay. I don't really know. I don't really watch a lot of his stuff. It was a very famous clip of he um, doing a haggling between an Indian customer and a Chinese vendor and all talking uh, about his dad not okay. being able to integrate into the country. Okay. But I felt when you were impersonating your Lebanese family member, it was exactly the right thing to do. Yeah. It's done right and it's done because it pushed the job to an even higher effect. Right, okay. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, you are just kind of describing the situation rather than mocking. And I think it's okay to laugh with people. Yes. I think it's when you're kind not, of making... Not loving and Yeah, and also the butt of the joke is my husband. Yes. Who is, let's face it, a tall You think you're being polite, you are who, just being confusing and yeah. making their life more difficult. Yeah, and it is that culture clash of, yeah, you think you're being very polite, but actually no one understands what the hell's going on. And I hope you feel I didn't try to get too much of content of you talking about your no, family, not your at all. kids. I want to not be, at all. <laughs> I wanted to be able to have a podcast experience. That's not more, at all. That's something for different. So thank you for coming on the podcast. I think it's a wonderful episode. Oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for Esther. having me. So where can we find you on social media? So this podcast probably will be uploaded towards the, on the 25th of October, I believe. Okay. So do you have anything you want to plug? I can't think of anything, but you can follow me at Estebanito on all the stuff stuff and all the stuff i should be there i can't wait to see what's your next sort of comedy theme the paradigm shift that you started talking about childbirth and you talk about (laughs) cultural differences and now these you're standing with this tired and worn out (laughs) women and wife and see where s is going and a very exciting comedian on the (laughs) case okay thank Thank you you. for today thank you bye thank you so much bye baby